Well, for, uh, for years now, I've been preaching Advent series, and along the way, I've noticed how I tend to gravitate toward Christmas songs. Christmas songs often kind of loom large in my sermons, and so I thought I'd go back this Advent season and revisit some classic Christmas hymns uh, that you'll be learning about each week, and we're going to sing one uh, here in a moment, but I want to tell you a bit about it first. In March of 1863, a boy ran away from home. Except he wasn't quite a boy anymore. Charlie was 19 years old. He was a man, and he could make decisions for himself. And his mind was made up to join the Union Army. He'd heard the stories of bravery from the front lines, and he wanted to lock arms with the friends who had gone before him. So Charlie ran away from home, and he joined the war effort against the Confederacy, like so many before him. Meanwhile, his father, who disapproved of his actions, his dad was left home alone. You see, Charlie's mother had died two years before. So Charlie was alone in Boston, uh, but he did what he could to protect his son. He prayed. He wrote letters to friends and family in the military and politicians. But despite all of Charlie's father's attempts to protect his son, the inevitable happened. And on November 27, 1863, Charlie was shot through the back and nearly paralyzed. He was brought home to Boston, and his father cared for him as he remained immobilized for a month. And in the middle of all that chaos and pain, Christmas came. And Charlie's father was faced with a difficult conundrum, because what is the Christmas message that the angels spoke to the shepherds so long ago? I mean, Linus Van Pelt reminds us every year in the Charlie Brown Christmas special, right? The angel said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Goodwill toward men. Peace. Peace. Look at the world of 1863. Our nation was torn against itself. And more pertinently, more pertinently to Charlie's father, his boy was fighting for his life. Peace. Come on. How can we believe the Christmas message of peace in a world like that? And so Charlie's father took pen to paper on Christmas Day, 1863. As his son remained immobilized in bed, he penned a Christmas hymn of stunning honesty and faith. And we're going to sing it together now. So grab your worship guide as we sing together, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day.
father was none other than Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, one of the great American poets. And his words on Christmas Day, 1863, are just as applicable today as they were then. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Where is the peace for which we so long? Where's this peace that the angels promised? You see, it wasn't just a war that loomed over Longfellow. It was a son lying immobilized in bed on Christmas Day. And in the same way, you may feel overwhelmed by the shifting powers in our world. When you read of wars and inflation and societal tumult, it's normal to be afraid. We fear for ourselves We fear for our loved ones, their future, their security, their happiness. Longfellow's fear for his son and for his world, that fear is not alien to any of us. But how did Longfellow respond to his fear? He continued, Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. The church bells that sung on Christmas Day reminded Longfellow that God had not forgotten his promise. God wasn't dead. God was not asleep. God has not forgotten you. And he has promised to bring peace to our war-torn world. Now, that is a wildly hopeful song to write while your son lies upstairs convalescing from his wounds. How could Longfellow sing of peace on earth when he knows people are being shot By people in their own nation. The earth did not have peace in 1863. And guess what? The earth still doesn't have peace in 2022. But let me tell you about another year with no peace. And another wild man who sang an audacious song. It was about 750 years before Jesus was born. The nation of Israel had split into two kingdoms. As it turns out, a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And in Isaiah chapter 9, we enter the story of Ahaz, king of Judah. And Ahaz is trembling with fear because his nation is about to be attacked. By whom? The northerners, as it turns out. It's just how the Bible is written. Also, the Assyrians partnered with them. And as Ahaz trembles with war on his doorstep, Isaiah shows up, the prophet, speaking in poetry. The The prophets wrote poetry, he shows up and sings a song for Ahaz. And like Longfellow's bell towers, Isaiah sings peace on earth in the middle of wartime. And here's something to consider. The message of worldwide peace has always been the song that God has sung through his prophets and his people. It's not a new song. It's a very old song. It's one that God's people have always sung. Longfellow says that in his song. The the bell towers have always rung with this song. So even in the worst of times, God's people and God's prophets have always said, peace on earth is coming. Goodwill to men is in store. 
So let's listen to Isaiah's song. Listen to how crazy and audacious he is as these armies are marching toward Ahaz. Judah's enemies are on their doorstep. And what does he say? Look at verses 2, 3, and 5 in Isaiah 9. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. Verse 5. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Isaiah sounds absolutely crazy, right? (laughs) So he comes to Ahaz. And he speaks these words, and you expect Ahaz to kind of incredulously look at his advisors. The armies are marching toward us. This is a very dark day. Light is not shining, man. This is not a day of harvest. This is not a day of joy. This is not a day when the weapons are going to be beaten into plowshares, right? This is a bad day. Isaiah's claims are so massive, so audacious, so insane in light of reality... He must have lost his mind. He's out of touch. He doesn't see what's going on in the world around him. And that is how you and I should look today. God's people sing a song of coming peace even when the world is in chaos. Even when it's just utter craziness around us, we are a people expecting and hoping for and speaking of peace on earth, goodwill to men. You know, Christmas comes every year. Regardless of what happens, it doesn't matter what wars or plagues or predicaments the world finds itself in. The calendar always rolls around to December, and we sing these songs of peace. We sing them every year. It seems crazy. And many of us, granted, I hope all of you on Christmas Day, will be surrounded by lights, by gifts, by joy, by family or friends. You know, we as a community on Sunday... Christmas is on a Sunday. We're going to meet that morning. We're going to worship God together. We're going to sing together. We're going to smile. We're going to rejoice. We will feast. And as we do that, people around the world will still be starving. People around the world will still be fighting. People around the world will still be sick and dying and thirsty. Even as we sing songs of peace... And justice, the poor will still be oppressed. The weak will still be overlooked. So how can we dare to celebrate in the midst of that and say, peace on earth, goodwill to men? How? Why? The song doesn't change because of the chaos. Why not? Because the promise hasn't changed. And more importantly, the promiser, the God who made the promise, hasn't changed. What Isaiah said to Ahaz is just as true for us as it was for him. This is the audacious message of Christmas, that peace is coming. Joy is coming. All things will be made right. This is a good message, and it's a message that I encourage you to celebrate and to sing this season. Christmas Day is a light shining into the darkness, and God tells us that one day, That celebration will be the experience of the whole earth. The people walking in darkness will see a great light and we will all rejoice. The peace and joy that we experience in part on Christmas Day will one day be the experience of the whole earth in full.
full. That peace and that joy will spread to the ends of the earth. There will be peace and joy in every place. But we don't stop singing the song when Christmas is over, do we? No. And we don't stop singing the song when our own immediate world is in chaos. No, this is the song of the church. And I would go so far as to say that I think our Ukrainian and Russian brothers and sisters, they're going to sing these songs with even more faith and with even more vigor and with even more hope. Because of what they're enduring this year. We sing this song despite the circumstances of our lives. Why? Because of the promise and the one who made the promise. So what is this promise undergirding our song and Isaiah's song and Longfellow's song? Well, our song of peace places its hopes on one victorious man who is also God. What is the content of this song? It's, the content is about one guy. Now, there are other songs of peace besides the one we just sang, besides Isaiah's song. One of them, I'm sure you've heard on the radio already this year, was written at the height of the Vietnam War. So John Lennon and Yoko Ono released a Christmas song about peace. What was their solution to the problem of war? Where did John and Yoko place their hopes? It's in the little refrain in the chorus. War is over if what? You remember? If you want it. War is over if you want it. When you listen to the protest songs, not only of the 70s, but even today, the onus, the responsibility is always on you. War can end if you will just be more aware, if you'll just be a little more loving, if you will be a little more peaceful. War is over if you want it. That just doesn't work. Why not? Because I'm not the problem. We are the problem. More importantly, our sin is the root problem that is the cause of war, of conflict, of distress. So these songs that place their hopes in people, in me, that doesn't help me find a solution. But the song that Isaiah sings does. He looks to one particular man, one victorious man. In fact, one man without sin, one man who is over all, who happens to also be God. Look at verse 5 through 7. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of Yahweh of hosts will do this. No doubt, as we were reading that last verse, those of you who were here a couple weeks ago picked up on the messianic hopes we discussed two weeks ago. Isaiah sings of a king in the line of David who will bring peace to the world. But how does the Messiah, how does the exalted God-man, how will he bring peace to this earth? Well, how does Isaiah's song go? Well, first, we sing of the God-man who will judge, rule over, and disarm every, every earthly power. Look at verses 4 and 5. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Where does war come from? 
It comes from selfish people acting selfishly. Often war happens because powerful people act selfishly. They impose a yoke on others. They oppress others. And in the meantime, the people who are being oppressed want that yoke off. This leads to conflict, understandably. And Isaiah tells Ahaz, one day, that's going to stop completely. The yoke, the staff, the rod of the oppressor will be snapped. One day, oppression, injustice, and power-hungry people will be removed from their position and rendered powerless. And when that happens, all wars will cease. Now, over Thanksgiving, we played probably three games of Risk. I think you've played Risk before. Some of you have. What happens when one powerful entity is taken away? Joe, what happens? Tell me, Dad, what he said. Yeah, but then the other team comes in, doesn't it? Creates a power vacuum. Somebody else takes over, right? It's almost like whack-a-mole. You take down one tyrant, and here comes another tyrant in his wake to take over. Ahaz. So Ahaz is afraid. The Assyrians are coming in. What happens to the Assyrians? They get beaten. By whom? The Babylonians. And then they're in charge, and they're terrible too, right? (laughs) This is how things happen in our world, but not in this text. This is different. It's not that the God-man takes down one oppressor so that another people can take power. No, when he comes, there is a complete leveling of the playing field because there's a new power on the scene, a new king who rules over all other kings. And when he arrives in judgment, there will be no more power games. There will be no more oppression. There will be no more war because he is good and he will be in charge. His rule will be uncontested. He will judge, disarm, and rule over every authority. Therefore, we look forward to an eternal, uncontested, worldwide peace. Peace comes through the lordship of the God-man. This is our hope. Look at verse 7 again. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of Yahweh of hosts will do this. The song that Isaiah sings is all about Jesus and the eternal establishment of his kingdom. Now, we're lucky to know what Ahaz and Isaiah didn't know. We know how the story plays out. We know that God became a man in the person of Jesus. We know that he died sacrificially to allow people to live forever with God on the earth. And we know that this song in Isaiah points forward to the day when he will return in judgment to make all things right. We know more verses to the song than even Isaiah did. As such, we must sing this song. This song that Isaiah and Longfellow sang, we must continue singing it. But why? First, we must sing this song, this song of peace and goodwill to men, because some have yet to hear it and take it to heart. So Isaiah sang this song to Ahaz because he was trembling at the war that was on his doorstep. Ahaz needed to hear it. He needed to be comforted. He was afraid and needed new hopes, a surer hope, one grounded in the promise of God. So let me ask you a question. How many of your neighbors... And co-workers watch the news every day and tremble at the future. 
They see what's happening in the Ukraine. They see what's happening in the Middle East. They watch the power plays in D.C. They watch it with bated breath or perhaps like Longfellow. Their loved ones lay dying. Their families are in tatters. It doesn't matter to them that Christmas is coming. There is war and chaos all around them, and they don't know the peace that is offered in Christ. I mean, they hear songs of peace. They hear songs that tell them, if you think differently, if you do differently, then that will fix the world. But it's all empty. They need to hear a surer song of peace. We must join Isaiah and Longfellow in singing this song of hope. So consider this. How could you use Longfellow's song and his story as a conversation starter with an unbelieving friend? There's something very deep and very moving about Longfellow's story and his faith in the middle of it. If that feels too weird, or maybe you forget the, the tale about Charlie going away to war and getting shot. It's not even that long of a story. But what about a conversation about the phrase, peace on earth, goodwill to men? I mean, everybody's singing it. Everybody's hearing it. Just ask your friend. You know, I watched the Charlie Brown show the other day. Do you actually think there will ever be peace on the earth? And, and how do you think that's going to happen? What do you think? And hear what they have to say. And then share your opinion. Ask their opinion. Listen and engage and tell them that you believe there will be peace one day. We must join Isaiah and Longfellow in singing this song of hope. Isaiah sang it to Ahaz as he trembled. So who do you know that's trembling with fear? And how could you introduce them to the hope that we have? But it's not only our neighbors that need to hear this song. We must sing this song because we need to remember it. I'm grateful that Christmas comes every year so we can sing these songs again. You need to be reminded, Christian, that the things you dread will not be final. The pain that you're experiencing right now will not last. The affliction, the threat that seems so looming, so permanent, so disruptive to your life, this too shall pass. Trust in Jesus even when the battle is incoming because the increase of his government and of his peace will never end. That's what Christian faith is. That's what Christian hope is. Faith and hope look like singing this song to ourselves and others even when everything else says otherwise. Christian faith and Christian hope are audacious. It sounds like craziness. It's Isaiah singing when war is about to break out. It's Longfellow singing as his son sits on the boundary between living and dying. It's a Christian calling the hopeless to walk out of the darkness into the great light of Christ. It's a Christian calling himself and herself to look beyond this life to eternity. We must join Isaiah and Longfellow in singing this song of hope. It's a hard song to believe, but it's the greatest song that's ever been sung. It's a song that offers hope, real hope. Once you lived in darkness, but now you have seen the light. You know the gospel, so let's embrace it. Let's embrace the audacity of this message and let's sing it to ourselves and the world. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail. The right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day. A voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. May our voices ring with this hope this Advent season. Let's pray. 
God, every one of us has trials and difficulties. And the people we love are no different. So God, help us to see the hope of your promise that one day, Jesus, you're going to make all things right. Help us to look forward to that day. Help us to sing of that day, not only to ourselves, but to the ones we love. That we all might have the hope of Christ that endures both in times of peace and in times of conflict. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.